Rabbi Chaim ben Rabbi Moshe ibn Attar was born in Morocco to a family that had produced outstanding Tamidi Chachamim and Rabbanim. Rabbi Chaim was born just two years before the Baal Shem Tov was born. Rabbi Chaim learned under his grandfather. While still a young man, he became a great Tamid Chacham and a Mekubal. He led a very holy life and was called HaKadosh. He is well known for the Ur HaChaim commentary on the Chumash. Towards the end of his short life, he decided to go to the Holy Land. He came to Yerushalayim with a group of about 30 Tamidim. However, the following year, he was Niftar. While he was still a student in his grandfather's yeshiva, he learned to be a goldsmith so that he could earn a parnasa without having to use his taita like a shovel to dig with. Later, when he was already well known, he could have held an honored position as a rav and a rosh yeshiva, but he did not want to be paid for these services. He preferred to earn money from the work of his hands. Being such a good goldsmith, he could have earned a lot of money this way, but he did not want to earn any more money than was absolutely necessary for the needs of himself and his family. So he would take no more time out of learning than needed. As long as he had money in his pocket for the day's needs, he didn't work at all, spending his time in learning. To make sure that he wouldn't be bothered by customers, he didn't open his own goldsmithing store. He hired himself out to the best-known local non-Jewish goldsmith for several hours a day or whenever he chose to work in accordance with his needs. The goldsmith for whom Rabbi Chaim worked was no friend of the Jews, but he valued Rabbi Chaim's work so much that he let him work whenever he wanted. Rabbi Chaim never argued about how much he was getting paid. He was satisfied with whatever his employer paid him. Once the goldsmith tried to offer Rabbi Chaim more money to work longer, but he found out that, far from being tempted, Rabbi Chaim would now stay away from work even longer, so the non-Jewish goldsmith reduced Rabbi Chaim's pay as much as he could without driving him away to a competitor. The sultan was getting ready to marry off his daughter, so he sent for the goldsmith and placed a large order for very fancy jewelry to be ready before the wedding. It so happened that Rabbi Chaim had money left over from previous work. He did not come into the goldsmith. When the day came for the royal order to be ready, the goldsmith had not completed it. The sultan was furious and threatened to have the goldsmith thrown into a pit with lions. But the goldsmith put the blame on Rabbi Chaim. He told the sultan that it was his Jewish assistant that had let the sultan down by not coming into work. So the sultan ordered that Rabbi Chaim should be arrested and thrown into the lion pit to be eaten alive. The sultan had a beautiful garden behind his palace. In the park, there was a special area surrounded by high walls where the sultan kept his dangerous man-eating lions and tigers. Anyone sentenced by the sultan to die would be thrown into a pit with these ferocious beasts. This, the sultan decreed, was to be the fate 
of Rabbi Chaim. When the guards came to collect Rabbi Chaim, he asked only to be allowed to take some of his sacred books with him and his talisman to fill in. The guards laughed and said, Do you think you will teach those lions the wisdom of these books? Nevertheless, they granted his request. As Rabbi Chaim was led through the streets, the Jews accompanied him on the way, weeping bitterly to see their beloved rabbi being led to a horrible death, Loyalenu. Rabbi Chaim consoled the grieving Jews, saying to them, It is Hashem who takes life and Hashem who gives life. He alone redeems and saves in times of distress. I am confident that He will spare me from the teeth of those lions. Have faith and trust in Hashem, and all will be well. The procession came to the gates of the royal palace. Rabbi Chaim was led away behind the gates and taken to the lion's den. Here he was placed in the hands of the keepers to carry out the sentence. The keepers put a rope around Rabbi Chaim's waist and lowered him down into the den while he held tightly his precious books and talus bag with tefillin and siddur. The keepers knew what to expect. They had done this job many times, shrieking and roaring and snarling, and then silence. But this time was different, very different. There were no roars and no snarls. The lions and tigers remained in their places and made no attempt to attack the rabbi. The keepers decided that the beasts were not hungry now, but would surely take care of business soon. So they walked away. Three days later, the keepers came, expecting to find only the broken bones of the rabbi. They could not believe their eyes. When they saw the rabbi sitting in the middle of the den, wrapped in his talus and tefillin, learning from his sfarim, the wild animals were crouched all around him, keeping a respectful silence as if they were listening to his voice. The keepers quickly rushed to tell the sultan what they saw. In utter disbelief, the sultan himself went to go and see, and he was amazed and terrified at the sight. The sultan immediately ordered that Rabbi Chaim be taken out of the den. When Rabbi Chaim came up, the sultan begged his forgiveness. Now I know that there is a God, the Shomer Yisrael, the guardian of Israel, said the sultan. He asked the rabbi to be his friend and advisor and promised that the gates of the palace would always be open for him. It was a day of light and gladness and joy and honor for the Jews. As for Rabbi Chaim ibn Attar, he returned home with a deep gratitude to Hashem and with an even greater humility in his heart. 